Hello, welcome to Pony Tricking with myself, TD Madia. This is episode 13 of season 3 of a politics podcast brought to you by Eyewitness News. So June, the world over this month, is known as Pride Month. Of course, it's in ode of the Stonewall riots of 1969, where in response to police raids, there were spontaneous protests celebrating and outwardly owning their rights to be queer. This is, of course, by the queer community, the LGBTQI plus community, Lewabita Alphabet Gang, um, those in my life know, my pride people. Um, I think it's important to mark this month, to celebrate this month. Most of all, you look at the South African picture, because in South Africa, the constitutional protection, the rights are there. When we speak of legislation, it is where it ought to be. However, if you look at members of the community, much like women and children, remain very vulnerable. So these conversations are important. This is not going to be the first time I touch on issues affecting the queer community or what members of the queer community think of who and what we are as a people. I will definitely do it again. I'm very honored, very privileged to be joined by Dr. Bev Dietzi this week. But before you listen to our conversation, I must give my five cents on this poor Mashatine drama that's currently unfolding. News 24's exclusive News 24 series, I think. We're going to see a lot more coming on the deputy president in waiting. And it's stories about just like getting kickbacks, how he lives a life of luxury, sponsored by people who have links and allegations of corruption here and there. Um, you want to call them entrepreneurs, you want to call them businessmen. But ultimately, there's these stories about this politician who lives a life of luxury. I always think about the ANC's president, Sonoda Maposa, saying that the party is the number one corruption accused, number one accused for corruption, whatever he said. And it speaks to that, doesn't it? The small Ayana skeletons. So I think you must keep an eye out for that story because as people who cover politics, I'm not surprised by those allegations at all. Yay, putting it up, young women, um, booze, luxurious lifestyles. Nothing about those claims surprise anybody who follows the lives of politicians. That's what I'm going to say. And of course, there's this Ace Makashuga stuff happening in the background. Is he going to start a new party? Is he not? Does he want his own moonshot pack to take on the NC? Does he not? Will he be wearing a red beret? Will he not? Only time will tell. But I do think that Ace Makashuga is a spend force. It's like a, it's a spend force. I can't see what he's going to do on the ground. That will shake the ground, you know? I think the best time to have done something to show his might was definitely when he was suspended. And So now with his expulsion, I'm like, ah, damn squib. But let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. You never know. They say day in politics is too much. Now back to this week's conversation with Dr. Bev Dietzi. Here it is. I'm very excited about this conversation because, you know, when you have, um, I think they call them legends in the room, you kind of pause and think a little bit more or think a little bit bigger than your little world. So this month was what we called Pride Month. If you remember, there was like this back and forth with Woolies because, you know, they're allies like many of us. And um, it brings back the conversation around human rights, queer rights, whichever way you want to fudge it in essence. But that's part of the conversations that we've been having. So we thought, 
who best to bring into the room, but somebody who understands, who stood up, someone who's made history, right, in the battle of getting particular issues under the spotlight in fighting for people's human rights, queer rights specifically. I'm very happy to be joined by Dr. Bev Ditsi. I, I can't let it go. Kiditsi. Okay, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, don't be. Okay. I, I, a lot of the time we let it go because you know what? If it's but let me let me tell you, did see yeah? I get a get locust in Sesotho. Oh yes, yes. Did is a different meaning. And um Kasitswana it's train tracks from my understanding. Okay. Kasisoto is a bark of a tree. Oh but now my grand was lighter than me. And so when she went to go get her ID the during apartheid, Akere Afrikaans puts an E at the end of every Yes, yes, My yes, e, yes, yes. Is an e at the end. Oh. So they put the E at the end and we never changed it because <laughs> as far as we kind of are concerned, it's a conversation. Okay. And so, so now we've got the right pronunciation. Kiditi. Okay, got it. Not Diti. Thank you. Lots of education. Thank you, Dr. Bev Diti. I really think what you do is so tremendous. As I said to you offline, it's strikes right back home to me in my life. Dr. Bev, thank you so much for joining us. I I think back to 1990, the first African Pride March. Mm -hmm. I think about what I've read about going to a whole United Nations. Mm -hmm. That's a massive space. Um, And you've made history. But I also think about where this country was then versus now. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, I was in primary school. I was alive at least. I was a child. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) 1995. But to where we are now. So when you look at South Africa today, as South Africa joins the rest of the universe to celebrate uh, Pride Month, what comes to mind when you look around you versus where you've been and the path you've walked for us to get you? Yeah, what an interesting question to start It's very convoluted. I apologize. But you know, one can't help but reflect. Mm-hmm. And and we are constantly reflecting. Um, 1990, 1995, we were so hopeful. There was such such a sense of freedom in the air, and and we could define it at the time. You know, we knew what we wanted to see in our futures. You know, we knew that um, we were shaping a country where all of us would literally be active, equal participants in all sectors of society and making a, a beautiful country. I think we, we saw ourselves being what we used to, to think of the USA as the land of milk and honey, you know, the land of freedom where everyone would have opportunity to be and do and, and thrive and be successful. That's what we thought we were going to see. That's a fallacy. I can tell you that one for free. And then you look at the USA today and you go, oh, snap. And then you look at where we are in South Africa today as well. It is actually quite frightening for me and for many of us. And I and I think I speak across the board. I'm not just talking about queer folk. I'm talking about all of us, all of us women, all of us black, all of us working people, working class people, or poor people, you know, there are very few people who can say they are thriving and having a wonderful life in South Africa today. And it's a and, very and, de- and mm. it's an unfortunate because obviously it's it sounds very depressing because you know we still try to live and and have joy, but this is where we are. It is incredibly depressing. You're thinking about survival yes. and you're not thriving Absolutely. and enjoying supposedly the fruits mm-hmm. of democracy. Mm-hmm. Um, before I even zero in on the issues of, of queer, queer rights, advocacy yeah. and queer rights, I want to sit a little bit on what you're talking about where mm-hmm. we are as a country now. Mm-hmm. I actually saw an interview you did in 2019 mm-hmm. where you kind of had this very tone. 
And I thought to myself, she speaks mm. about how, how frightening it is to be in the country and how it's so concerning that mm. what we dreamt of when we wanted democracy mm-hmm. hasn't really come to the fore. Mm-hmm. That was 2019. In 2023, yeah. things feel like they've gotten worse. Do you look around and think there is a way to move the needle back towards where we were, to progress towards the vision we once held? Or is or does it feel like, actually, this is it? This is as good as it gets. South Africans have always thought they were an exception. I think they're very wrong. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. When you look at that, what comes to mind? We just need leadership. Really, we need, we need thinking, conscious people to step up. Um, right now, a lot of what's going on has to do with people that have self-interest and even all these new political parties and everyone else that's coming to the fore. You know, I keep saying, so, so yes, 40% of the country is made up of youth and youth is not voting. And if you look at where we are, we're not, you know, we are in trouble. But what's the alternatives? Where are the alternatives? Where are the leaders? What's going on? And it's not just a South African thing. I think it's a global phenomenon where, you know, everyone is looking at conservatism as the only way to kind of move forward in the world. And that is very frightening. It's almost as though democracy came and people kind of did whatever they wanted. And now it's like, oh, this democracy is not working for us anymore, you know. And now let's people people are clamoring for dictatorship. That is frightening to me. What does it take? Frightening to me. What does it take to step up? You did it in the 90s when it was unheard of to fight for queer rights, young black South African lesbian person to the world. What does it take? The picture that you're you're painting Mm. needs someone to agitate. What does it take? I think there's going to be a catalyst. And this is me being like throwing bones. We need like a push and normally a crisis. A crisis... Something what does emerges, that look like? Something, 2021 riots were not a crisis. Electricity is not a crisis. The, 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 the war on women's bodies and children is not a crisis. What does a catalyst look like? I also feel like we're holding in hope, particularly this country, for that one extra thing that will drive know, us I over. I don't know what that is. I mean, water right now is a crisis. Um, the, our lives are a crisis. Mm. <laughs> we are all living just slightly on the edge. There's going to be a push. I think all of us feel it. We all know it. We don't know what it is. But where there's a crisis, something, a leader or two, some, somebody emerges. Remember there was a time, sorry, Tidi. Remember mm. there was a, um, when Dr. Mampele Rampele came in, to, like, for just that one month, where all of us just said, A party oh political platform, God. yeah. We're like, oh, finally an alternative that makes sense. She came out with that three-point plan, and there was this, this that, and the other. Or the manifesto was the most amazing manifesto I've ever seen. But it was a month. She was really just there for a month. It was about a month. And the kablip was gone. I actually remember that period because she was campaigning in areas like... No, she went to Pakistan on election day with aviator shades on and no one even noticed her. And I remember looking and going, how did this happen? What happened to black consciousness? I remember that, that, yeah. I had a friend who was working for her as like in the publicity and in in, in, the department. It must have been a nightmare. called and said, me wants to meet you. And I thought... Yay! I will be right there when, you know, because I, I loved everything about that manifesto. Mm. Um, and I was very happy to to jump on that very quickly because it was the first time that it felt like here was somebody who stood for all the things that we all agreed. You know? 
when you look at the lay of the land, we go into elections, no one strikes you as a possibility Ooh. of selling something worth sell- selling to citizens. Who? Who's emerging above? Who's above? You know, you keep hearing, oh, find all the different parties and find their political manifesto. You know what it feels like? Remember when Love Life came in to fight HIV? Oh, and they yeah, had those empty I was a baby, but bubbles. yes, I remember that. Yes, They yes. had empty speech That was a cool campaign, yes. No, At I don't a remember time, the bubbles, yeah? when people needed to know what is HIV, how is it transmitted, how can we stop it, all we had were speech bubbles on a billboard. That's what these elections feel like right now. You have people saying things like, um, you know, there is um, other parties that exist that are better. Who? Where? Can we not see them? Where are they? That's the empty speech bubble. That's an empty bubble, yeah. That feels like that to me. Dr. Bev, you know, I, I, I got into an argument with some of my friends from the community because not too long ago, Uganda obviously clamored down on, on gay people in that country. But what we saw here was Julius Malema, black African male, drape the queer flag around him mm-hmm. to make a statement. Mm-hmm. And my friend said, mainstream media failed to rise to the occasion. Yeah. You failed to recognize the importance of that, of that moment. particular moment. Yeah. Not too long after that moment, then the EFF invites Patrice Lumumba, mm-hmm. and we know where he stands as far mm-hmm. as queer rights are concerned, mm-hmm. to come and do a speech. Mm-hmm. When he's challenged, he says, mm-hmm. oh, it makes debates exciting. Mm-hmm. What does that communicate to someone like you, who spent a lifetime, I mean, your very essence to us is about advocacy, is about fighting mm-hmm. for queer rights. Mm-hmm. When you see it being used like that, does it feel like it's being trivialized for political point scoring? What do you, how do you make sense of what you see? Well, it's a, it's a ticket. I think right now we started realizing, we, we realized there's a young, stupid male podcasters who were, and they were not first, but they successfully used um, our community as a ticket. Nobody knew who the hell they were until they did that. And I will not mention their names because we're not advertising them. And when they did that, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, my God, there's so much more engagement. And what you started seeing was a lot more, even people I thought were allies, jumping on the bandwagon, promoting their own work, using the LGBTI community as a ticket. That is a ticket for engagement. And so you want to score political points? This is what you do. I, I, I have found that... If you are able to place my life, my very existence, as a point of debate, then you should not be calling yourself an ally. Because my existence is not up for debate. Because the minute you say that, you are literally saying someone can come and win the debate and say I should not be existing. Well, I am here. I exist. Our lives are not up for debate. Should not be up for debate. And so that was a deep disappointment. But are we surprised? I mean, the, the political flip-flopping, this is not a first. This is not the first issue where you see the flip-flop. So it is about political scoring. And it is, it is, it is sad because there isn't, it doesn't feel like there's a backbone there. I want to move a little bit away from that and ask you about then the sense, your sense of where we are as a country in terms of dealing with queer rights specifically. It's really wonderful when you look at the country's constitution, the laws, Mm -hmm. everyone is protected. But you then see, maybe I'm not moving away from the party political space, because then you see small parties like Al-Jamaa that says when South Africa envisions a family, you must isolate certain people because that's what we feel. And these people are given an audience and given a platform. But on the ground, 
what people experience in suburbia is not the same as what we're seeing in our townships mm -hmm. or our villages. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're still keeping an eye on what's mm -hmm. happening. I imagine you are. What is the image that you're seeing um, in terms of what young queer communities are going through across the country? What stories are you hearing? Mm -hmm. um, again, it's wonderful that it's legislated, but I don't think that reflects really the true reality of what's happening in the country. Right from beginning, right from the adoption of the Constitution, right from the adoption of that Bill of Rights, one of the things that some of us were saying on the ground were, it doesn't matter that we have constitutional protection if the people themselves don't know, one, that it exists, and two, where we cannot access it. And a lot of the time we found that queer people cannot access the Constitution. It's not as easy to just say, oh, I'll take you to constitutional court. Even now, trying to sue anyone for any kind of discrimination based on their sexual orientation or gender identity or expression is a nightmare. It takes money. It takes effort. We don't have the, we're not a litigious society. It's mm -mm. not like we can just like walk down the road and somebody will hand you a pamphlet and say, want to sue someone? <laughs> you know, like they would... For example, when we watch, you know, the we USA. see it all the time on US TV. Right? Yeah, you see it, you see <laughs> it on TV, and you think, oh, we are able to do that. You're not, um, and you will be told over and over again. You need a few hundred thousand rands to even just be able to say, I'm going to walk into a courtroom and sue someone. So every time somebody says, I'll sue you, we laugh because we know what that takes, right? So um, what's our recourse? And so what's happening on the ground is very, 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 very different to actually, you know, this legislation that we supposedly have. And I say supposedly because it's being violated left, right and center. You said something very key earlier. You said something about how South African media missed the moment. South oh, yes. African media is not just missing a moment. South African media, I find, is probably the most homophobic for a country that has a constitution that supposedly protects us. And I say that because how is it that the only, the first and only non-binary child on television in South Africa was me at the age of nine? And there hasn't been any non-binary people, children, somebody like me is not reflected on South African TV today. That's deliberate erasure. There are what, four, three, four, five people who are said to be gay all over our media? That's it? As though that's all there will ever be. There's something wrong with that. We exist in so many different colors. Your, your, your non-binary, your trans, your, all your family members in all their different ways of being exist. And yet we do not see ourselves. We are not reflected in the media. I use this quote by Juno Diaz who says, if you want to make a people a monster, if you want to make a monster out of a people, you, you remove a reflection of them on a cultural level so that they do not see themselves. Because then the myths continue and the lies of about course. them can continue unabated. It's the, right now, how Uganda managed to do what they've done is through a most successful propaganda campaign. A most successful. You speak to a regular Ugandan right now who is a homophobe and say, really, honestly, give me a logical reason why you think this law exists. They can't give you logic. They will give you the lies. But the lies have been successfully shared right throughout, not just their own country. It's gone up to Kenya. It's gone to, to, to Ghana. And now you have South Africans repeating the same lies. Yeah, you see it a lot on social media. People feel emboldened. But and how so do we change it? Exactly. And if they're emboldened on social media, don't think that they're not emboldened in real life. How do we change it? This right now is part of changing it. 
I appreciate every single one of these moments because this right now is part of changing it. We need allies more than we have ever needed them. People like you, all the different personalities, people who actually have a platform. We need you all more than we have ever needed you because right now we are so dehumanized that they don't hear us. In Someone like me in 2023, nobody listens to anything I have to say because I have been, what What do they say, bought, paid for, recruited. Oh, okay. I'm a white monopoly capital T all girl. All those things. So I know how they shut us all down. You know what so I mean? I so I should, yeah. you know, here I am propagating for what exactly. So I need to come back to something else you said. They're talking about definition of family. Mm, mm, saying that now, South Africa's family life should not look at include Africa. the queer community. Please look at Africa and look at the different types of families we've always had. Most of us were brought up by grands, aunts, moms, sisters, um, uncles. Our families were never really defined by a cis-head mom, dad, children. And that level of isolation of mom, dad, children is one of the reasons why there's such deep, deep loneliness and isolation because that's not African. Ubuntu. Ubuntu is about family being more than just the extension of mom, dad, two children. Mm. We've always had that. Whether children you're always talking, raised by communities. No, yeah, completely. Polygamy has been part of our lives. When you look at all the other different types, there's been matriarchal families. There's been women-only led villages. I am sorry. What was uh, um, um, Queen Mujaji? What was Mkhunumantatisi? What was uh, uh, General Mkabaika Jama? I am sorry, I am talking about South Africans who are being erased from history as though they never existed. And then you have the same homophobes who come back at us and say, oh, that does not mean that they were queer. What is the definition of queer? What is the definition of queer if not Queen Mujaj? What was that? And so you are then telling us that the Americans can come over here and tell us, oh, family should mean this. That erases the entire African history, the way that we have always been, where family has been a very wide and different type of family that includes queerness. I think earlier you you kind of answered my question. You know, when we spoke about um, the media's rep- representation and the media's reflection on the queer community, because in essence there is now more room where people like Al-Jamaa with their views are being given a platform where Media House picks up on it and we find ourselves having conversations. Even though the conversations we have is we are frowning upon, how dare you, in South Africa with the kind of constitution that we have. But you also have organizations like Contralesa that's been agitating to move particular clauses in the constitution because that's a live document. That's a live document. Mm -hmm. And anything can pretty much shift or change Mm -hmm. who and what we are if we're not guarded if we're not mm-hmm. careful. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think there are enough BevDTs out and about in the country at the moment who are on guard, even the allies, who are doing enough work to make sure that we are watching these areas, to make sure that the rights that have been put in our constitution, the guarantees remain as they are? Yes. I don't know what if there will ever be enough, but there's a lot of people doing work. There's a lot of organizations doing the work. Iranti is doing the work. Access Chapter 2, Steve Litsike, they're doing the work. There's a lot of people doing a lot of work all over the country, from Triangle Project up in the Cape, that people, gender dynamics, people are doing work. What's not happening is that the media, once again, is not giving attention to that work. And, and, and our, our invisibility has to do with the fact that we are not being visibilized. 
And so Al Jama will continue to have a bigger platform, even though they're a tiny little new little party that, in fact, should be inconsequential in a country that is actually not even circular. How is religion coming in and trying to tell us how we should be in a democracy? Yes, they are given a platform. So you are seeing young Bevdi there, there are many, 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 many young people that are doing the work. Um, and I am very fortunate and, and blessed to have the kinds of platforms that I do have. And so now I'm beginning to even take the platforms because I realize that if nobody else is given platforms, then I should then take them because we are under threat. Our existence is under threat. I mean, people having marches over rainbow colors on steps. How ridiculous. Oh, yes, I saw that in Cape Town. How ridiculous. Okay, so that's going to stop load shedding. That is going to stop the water crisis. That's going to stop the crime. That's going to stop the looting. That is what is going, you painting the steps. You're so focused on us that all these other things are going on around us. And, and, and no, that's not the focus. You're focusing on us. With all of this in mind, do you think we also have an appetite? We will have an appetite for someone like I just can't remember his name. I think it's the Umsunduzi mayor from the DA. Um, very young, quite dynamic, he's gay. Mm -hmm. Um, for enough of those kind of leaders to also emerge and to get a to get a following, to capture the imagination of parts of the community or of the country rather, not even community. Do we have room for that? Or because we are regressing towards conservatism, it'll be even harder for someone to come up. I mean, we are months away from an election but that's the perfect kind of time if you have a different message to sell mm. do you see room for that i see room for that but there's the again it's going to take some courage but it also going to have to take a, a shift in how the media is also approaching everything i mean it's it's very sad you know when they talk about you know media being bought um there's very little trust in south africa media I don't know how, I mean, I've, I'm not a necessarily a media practitioner as a documentary filmmaker. Um, how are you going to deal with that? Because there's very little trust. Trust was eroded a long time ago, whether you're talking Bell Pottinger being able to buy Oh, yes, because, we have a lot. Even yeah. further back with what happened with Winnie Mandela, Stratcom and all of that. There is no trust in the media. We grapple with it every single day. You know, Our currency is actually credibility and trust. So every yeah. day, believe it or not, and so even we have if discussions about emerges, that, John. They're bought. How they're being dealt with will also you, be yeah, done to that. You probably should be rich by now by just having me. Here. I was saying to you earlier, I am yeah. called a white monopoly tea girl right? by no, everyone else who thinks that I'm out to get them. I don't even know what that exactly. even looks like, what exactly. that is, but I do understand where you're coming from. Exactly. But you you you, you hatch a lot on, on, on media, um, the issue of representation, and I take that. It falls on media. Mm -hmm. But what else beyond media and where we fail as far as visibility is concerned, is that really the only thing? Because it almost feels like it's one of the major hindrances to the queer community being seen and being understood, well, not being seen, being understood better in, the, in, within our, in our context in the country. What else, though, beyond media? I almost feel like we're just the bad guys, but I don't think it's just down to us. You've got maybe politicians, I think politicians, I always think politicians, but I think it's not just us. Really? <laughs> I mean, a lot of what we discuss, a lot of what, what comes up, what pops up, half the time has been reported on by media, hasn't it? I mean, a lot of our conversations, whether it is religious, whether it is a political party, whether it is on TV, in entertainment, 
a, a lot of it ends up coming up as a headline somewhere. It and that's where the conversation comes up. Uh, look, a lot of our worlds also revolve around what's happening on social media and the symbiosis between what media picks up on social media and what social media picks up from from media. And that's the lives that... And I know that this is a kind of narrow... It's very narrow to those of us who live on um, on, on social media and who, who consume social media the way we do. My mom, on the other hand, still watches regular TV, SABC 1, 2, 3, ETV. And, and even though a lot of us don't anymore, the majority of the country still do. Mm. And that's where they hear their news. And that's where the conversations evolve. And that's where they pick up things, Right. That's fair. It's a very hurtful moment for me. Reflect. Look, we constantly reflect on our roles. Yeah. I'll be honest and frank and say it's quite hurtful yeah. to see how much damage we also cause through our lenses, with our platforms, with our microphones. It's a very hard place right? for me. Yeah. Have, right now we have um, what the, 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 uh, one of our favorite soccer parties in black and white. They kind of put out rainbow colors. Did you see that? No, we can say them, pirates, yes. It was wonderful to see. And then did you see how the cishet men were like, <laughs> But they're not given, they're not platform, they're not given the attention, they're on social media, but I don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't feel yes, like but, we've given them enough attention we, on our end. A, but, you know, I ask mom, I ask mom all the time, what are you seeing on TV? You know, what's in the news? What are you consuming? Because mm. she's become my barometer just in okay. terms of, oh, yeah. you know, what is out there that I am not aware of. And that conversation is not happening. You've given me a lot of food for thought. I'll take it. Um, I, I am done, Dr. Bev. But as we part uh, ways, I need to, as we part ways, just your sense of where we need to go and what we need to do as a country as far as the protection of the queer community is concerned? I think, you know, having mentioned allies and allyship, right now we need a lot more folk just coming out and just talking. And just talking. I think we, we miss each other because we are so busy scoring points and wanting to win debates that we are no longer really just talking. Um, and... I'm finding far too many of our allies silent. I'm seeing some of the same allies being the ones that are vocal and everybody else who claims to be allies, you know, silent. This, is, this, this being Pride Month, especially in the month where Uganda signed this bill into law, wow, there should be campaign after campaign after campaign, shouldn't there? And there isn't. Even our government is silent. There isn't. And... and why? Why isn't there more? You know, it can't just be Bev and CD having this conversation and Bev in the one or two or three or four different platforms, which have been wonderful. And, and I, I continue to say thank you to the allies, because if it wasn't for you, you know, we would be just as invisible as we were pre-1990, pre that first Pride March. So a lot of work still needs to be you done. Know, so, we need to continue to be so, vigilant so and talk. So much more. And, and we need to be and talking and talking. Because the more we're having... And when I say talking, I don't mean debates. Mm -mm. Because also, one of the reasons you don't see a lot of us on regular TV, and I say regular now, right? One of the reasons you don't see us on regular TV has to do with the fact that as soon as we realize that you're going to put me there with that Al-Jama person where now I have to debate the Bible and debate the Holy Quran and debate my existence, we don't go. 
Because Rightfully it, so. it goes, it, it's now not just, oh, you should not exist. Your existence is a sin. I am here. Your book, your book is on a whole other level that a lot of us don't even subscribe to anymore. Because of the hate in that book, we do not subscribe to the hate. And so bring us a whole different conversations. Let's talk. But I will not go and debate my existence. And so that's also one of the reasons you don't see us is because now everything is sensational. And so we are not talking. No, you should not cosplay your existence. Thank you so much. Chatting to us about the work that she does. You continue to do advocacy work, I imagine, in 2023. I, a, I do a lot more film. I, lot, I do a lot more behind the scenes. Um, and of course, as a, as a documentary, but also as a reality TV maker, a lot of my work has been to kind of try and stem the tide of the homophobe, you know, and on, of the stereotyping and all of that. Um, so my advocacy is not so much in front as much as it is behind the scenes. But when you say as a TV maker, as a TV maker, what are you involved in? When you say reality TV, which programs? See, do you know? I think maybe I have a feeling there's a program I really love that you might be involved in. That's what I'm not asking. Yes. No, but I, I think right now I'm more consulting than working as okay. a director on reality TV. But I've directed shows from All You Need Is Love, Forgive and Forget. I've been on five seasons of Big Brother and Big Brother Africa. I've been on Survivor. South I thought you'd say you helped on... with Becoming because I love it. That's all I wanted to know. Yeah. No, I haven't. Oh, you that, have would have been, been. that would have been amazing. I think and it's I incredible. But Just yeah. before I let go, actually, let's speak about also the trans community because we then speak about gay rights, but we don't necessarily also take in that part of the community. We kind of have forgotten that you, actually here are also people. LGBTIQA+. Yes, we, we speak about everyone. One of the things I, I, I feel like our trans siblings can speak for themselves. And so a lot of the time when our, we've got allies who, who, who want to speak on behalf of, because I, I don't want to speak on behalf of my trans siblings. They okay. can speak on behalf of themselves. Okay. Um, but having said that, I do not understand transphobia. I do not understand especially us in our own community discriminating against our own people. That makes no sense to me. One's human rights is not better than another's human rights. We are all human beings who all deserve equal human rights. And yes, our trans siblings are also under attack um, in just as much as a big way. And, and yes, we all need to be very vigilant and be aware that our entire community is under threat. All right. Thank our you so much. Community. Thank you so much, Dr. Bev. Thank you, Tzidi. Thank you. Thank you. That's it from us. A special thank you to Lerato Herfler, Dudu Zile Masuku, and Tidi Sotwala. For Eyewitness News, my name is Tidi Madia. <laughs> <laughs>